We will kick off today's episode with our guest speaker pitching why you should listen to our podcast and follow our journey. Let's get started, folks. We live in the 21st century, and we have so much technology, so many resources, and so much knowledge right at our fingertips. There has never been another moment in time where an average everyday man has the resources that you and I have right now. Imagine all the potential, all the impact you can make with this. But while that's also a blessing, it also tends to be a curse because there are so much, there's so much white noise around that it makes it incredibly difficult to find what matters to you. What do you think is important? What do you want to spend your time, your energy, and your efforts on? I think that the people in the green room really have a vision to see how they want to impact the world. And I think with this podcast, you get an opportunity to meet some of them, to get a sliver of how they view the world and their lens. And I hope that that can inspire you to find your why, to find your reason, and to make an impact the best way you see fit. Welcome to an episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Green Nerve team of Southern Illinois University Carbondale. We are a cross-university team of young, innovative minds positively impacting the landscape of SIU Carbondale through promoting and installing clean energy. Here, we are highlighting our team's activities and impact through our members, sponsors, and supporters, as well as discussing a new, interesting topic. So buckle up because we are driving to a more sustainable future. Today, we have a special guest, Tanner Clark, part of the Green Roof team. How are you doing today, Tanner? I'm doing excellent, Nelson. Thank you for asking. So to get today's episode kicked off, would you like to tell the audience a bit about who you are and where you're from? Yep. So as Nelson said, my name is Tanner. I am from Strasburg, Illinois, teeny tiny village in Shelby County, Illinois, about 20 minutes north of Effingham. Um, by small, I mean less than 500 people, <laughs> just to just to give you that kind of scale. So, um, close knit communities are some is something that's really important to me. Um, people knowing your name, having relationships with your neighbors, um, so that they're people you care about, people that you have a little bit of accountability to, you know, because you're all in this together. Also, growing up there, I I really learned to appreciate freedom because I was very fortunate to not have very many limits on what I could do growing up. You know, I could go wherever I wanted as long as I was within, um, you know, uh, yelling distance from my mom so she could tell me to get back home. You know, like that was basically the one, the one rule. Otherwise the, the streets were mine and I was able to figure it out, you know, like not, there's not much to do in Strasburg, but you, you make your own fun. But that also gave me opportunities as I was growing up to apply myself and find those connections and get working um, at an early age as well. So I'm all very hands-on, um, find your way, learning alongside other people. So that's a lot of what motivates me to do what I do, and I think it's a big part of who I am. That's incredible. I know the first time I heard about the population of your hometown, I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's about the size of my high school. Yeah, yeah. 
And then thinking about my, my high school too, there was, I, I believe I graduated with 31 students in my class, you know? So it's just, I love, I love meeting people down here at Southern and talking about them and, and seeing where they're from. And occasionally I do find somebody who has like, who came from like my size, but like usually when people are thinking of small town, they think of like less than 10,000, you know? Um, which is a different, at least on, in my eye, it's still like an order of magnitude above. And then, you know, like you, you talk about being from Chicago or like any kind of vaguely metropolitan area. And I just don't, I don't even like, I can't even fathom some of that, you know? So it's, it's very interesting to, to meet people and see those perspectives and see different ways of life, different values as well. It's, it's really interesting to just talk to people about those things. So with your community at home, were there any like larger events where it brought a good chunk of the town together? Yes. Mm-hmm. So something, something that I really got to cherish being in Strasbourg is how intentional people have to be to try and get together and, and get something going. Um, I think, I think a good example of that is the Strasbourg Community Action Network. It's called SCAN. That was started in hmm, sometime between 2007 and 2010, I want to say, because so, I, w- I was in elementary school at the time. And Strasbourg, I know, was really in a huge slump at that time. You know, you had have, you have the Great Recession and there was already a lot of things that weren't going in the town's favor because it's, it's what you'd call a sleeper community. You know, you go home, you sleep, you wake up, you go somewhere else to work. You know, like typically you go to Effingham, maybe Shelbyville. Um, it's, it's a place people like to stay in physically, you know, but then to work there and then to live there is something that, needs to be worked on. It needs to be intentional because you have a great potential for a culture in a place like that, you know, but sometimes it doesn't get realized. I do think that it takes people to have that vision and to try and apply yourself. So that's why, why scan was created. So they, they do a lot of various service activities like main street makeover is something they do. So they get um, community members out and they'll, you know, they'll clean up Main Street, pull out weeds, um, put in new gravel, and take care of other things in other um, community areas, too, like the park and things like that. They're actually working on doing a whole bunch of stuff with the park, and I hope that that stuff gets going well to keep getting funds raised. Um, and they find they find intentional ways to, to do that. Um, got a lot of mentors there and I got a lot of mentors with the, the Lions Club as well. It's another um, community organization that I've been affiliated with since um, about high school. To, to get back to your question on like events though and, and getting together, the biggest one is definitely homecoming. Homecoming happens, oh, it's, it's one of the weekends in July, I want to say usually the second weekend in July. And that is really like the time that I think Strasbourg gets together to really attract people, bring people in. 
usually the big thing that there's a lot of meals, a lot of meals put together out of the park under the pavilion. And the big thing is the tractor pull. Yeah. So getting a whole bunch of farmers, it's the middle of the summer, so their crops are already in the field. So then everybody brings their tractors over. You get, um, you hook it up to a huge sled and you literally just see how far you can pull this giant sled down about a 300 foot track, I believe. And people watch that for fun and they just talk and drink all day long. And then they've got like festivities going on for the rest of the day too, but it all kind of goes around that. They've got kids games. Um, the past couple of years I've organized a 5k for the homecoming. So that's, that's where we try and jam everything like, like the best that Strasburg has to offer, I think goes into that day. Um, scan. I know they also do like a car show and other things like that. So there, there are opportunities. Um, but I would say that it, it comes much less frequently than if you're in like a big place with, you know, many, many things going on at once, but it takes a lot of effort on people's parts to, um, to really, really generate something that people want to come out to, but because it's hard, it makes it all the more worthwhile. So, and I, and that's, that's something that I definitely cherish as I've been, as I've been brought up uh, that I do have a community of, of leaders and of civil servants that want to make the community better. It's awesome to hear. And before we head into the hard hitting questions, a tractor pull. Yes. So you have a tractor. Yes. A sled's tied to it. Go yes. down 300 meters. Then, uh, then not meters, then probably. Oh, I'm trying to remember it's feet or yards. It's probably yards. But um, so you go down a straight, and then straight. what happens? Does the tractor like go to the side, and you see the sled fly away? Or well, so this is a really, really big sled. Um, most of these. So if you've got, it get, it gets more complicated than like I guess this a tractor, but it, all, it boils down to a tractor pulling a sled down a patch of dirt. Um, there are different like classes. Yeah, weight classes. You might say. So, if you've got most people, um, and they've got their own, their own projects, you know, like, like farmers being mechanics working on their pulling tractor, a lot of local tractor pulls, they have a speed limit, um, could be anywhere from like four to eight miles per hour. So, like, yeah, in all honesty... I, I personally find it kind of boring. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not gonna lie, and that's kind of a little uh, sacrilegious in, in my family because like so my my grandpa actually both both sides of my family farm. I come from um, farming communities. It's um, what I was around, and my on my on my mother's side, my grandpa in particular, he's big into tractor pulls. Um, he's very mechanically minded. He used to like, um, repair combine harvesters and things like that. So, and he used to, and so that, that's what he does. He works on those. Um, I know, I know, <laughs> I think when I was 16, he was like, yeah, we're going to need to get you on one of these things, you know, get you pulling. And I just told him like, I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly not that interested in it, you know? Cause it's like, on the one thing, it's kind of sad because, like, this is something he's he's really interested in. He's really into this stuff, but I'm I'm just not, you know. But 
I I do enjoy you know going out and and seeing him, and I I enjoy that other people enjoy it, you know, because it brings other things around, and it's it's still something that can bring the community together. So there's like farmers who do it, and then there's also like professional pulling as well. So my uncle, he he actually builds tractor pull pulling engines in Arthur with this company. So he does like machine work for them and things like that. And he's, he's, he, I don't believe he has anything, um, going with it right now. I I could be wrong about that, but I know a few years back he actually competed at, um, the state fair on the state competition. And yeah, like it basically boils down to how much money (laughs) you want to put into all this stuff because then you will get tractors that are going like super fast down there and then you get like trucks too trucks go fast they'll even do like they'll do semi poles i've heard of like four-wheeler poles and then there's like lawn tractor poles basically farmers have come up with a million and one ways to find entertainment in pulling a sled down a dirt track so sweet yeah so tractor pole. <laughs> No, it's awesome to hear about tractor pulls. I know where I'm from never, ever came up yeah, at all. Yeah. So transitioning to like SIU, is being around all the machinery why you chose mechanical engineering, or is there another reason? Well, it, it definitely, I'm sure it had an influence into it. More of the direct story, though, goes back to community college, specifically for me. So, to preface that, I, I'm a senior here at SIU in mechanical engineering, going to graduate in May. I transferred here last year from Lakeland College up by Mattoon, Illinois, about 20 minutes east of um, Strasburg. So, there I originally went with the intent to transfer to the U of I for chemical engineering because... Like, chemistry was something I thought I was decent at, and, like, energy production and management was also something that that interested me. So, you you could go, I guess my, my, my thought was I could be working at a power plant, or I could be working in, like, agricultural processing as well, like, um, ADM processing, like, soybeans, or, or what have you. So, those were kind of the things that I was thinking of. Didn't have too much of a plan, though. Honestly, it just kind of sounded nice, and it was something to tell people to say that I had a plan, you know. But while I was at Lakeland, I got a lot of those those similar sentiments and that similar environment that I felt I got at Strasburg. So you really have a close knit community, and you've got you've got local people at, at Lakeland as well. Oddly enough, there are a lot of people from Strasburg, even though it's like 500-some people that work at Lakeland, you know? Um, just, I guess, some odd coincidence there. But you had a lot of people there who wanted to invest in, like, southeast-central Illinois, you know? They're, they really focus on wanting to try and retain people, like their graduates in that area, too. So, you know, so they come back and they contribute and they, you know, build something in that area. Because, unfortunately, people don't think of much of anything when they think of that part of, part of the state, you know. But there are, there, there are things to offer because there are good people there. Um, so, being in that 
sort of small environment, I got connected to a lot of good local companies who were wanting to invest in local people as well because they knew that they were more likely to stay because they have they have these connections. One of those companies was Hydrogear. So I interned with Hydrogear after my freshman year at Lakeland. I was doing materials style work for them. So they create, basically they create hydrostatic transmissions for zero turn lawnmowers. So if you have a zero turn lawnmower, um, they're like a 90 plus percent chance that the wheels turn because of hydrogen. So I did material science stuff for them. I would perform tests on different components, put them under various stresses, see how they would perform. Then I would go back to the engineers and like recommend um, components for them to use in their designs. So that was more mechanical engineering style work. Okay. So I did that and I was still on the chemical engineering track uh, of sorts, but then I thought, you know, this could be a real possibility as well. So then, um, Gabe Allen, he was, uh, president of Baja a couple years back and he graduated from SIU in mechanical engineering just this last year. Um, he's my brother-in-law now, but you know, him and I were talking at that time and he was like, you know, Mechanical engineering might be more applicable to what you would want to do, you know, and it is more widely applicable as well in chemical engineering. So we thought that I ought to consider that, and then he also thought that I should, um, you know, consider looking at, at Carbondale, you know. So that's all that kind of led me here, you, you might want to say. I kind of got lost on all that, but what, <laughs> what was your original question, though? <laughs> well, that, that's a great story about how you ended up in Carbondale. Yeah. So now being here in your second year in Carbondale, mm -hmm. have you seen similar communities? Not Probably not like how home was, because home was much, from what I'm getting at, much more close to it. But have you seen something yeah. similar here in Carbondale develop? You know, I, I would say yes. Um, so... There, the one thing with, I, I guess, going to um, living in Strasburg my whole life and, like, going to Stewart's and Strasburg High School or, well, and just elementary school, like, I grew up with those same 30 or so kids I graduated with for, like, 13 years, you know? So there, there are bonds there that just take time. But on the flip side of that, it's interesting coming here and seeing how you can connect with people from across the state and across the world and green roof is obviously an, an excellent example of that you know we've got some of the the brightest and and best individuals not even at carbondale but like across the united states you know and beyond so we've got people with connections all across the world um that you can still connect with and that we still find common ground with you know like um some of us a lot of us are interested in sustainability and alternative energy and transforming just like one space now, but taking that knowledge and learning. We obviously all, we all want to learn and improve our skills. That's really the, the common thread that I, that I see with everyone and taking that, you know, through entrepreneurship and through innovation into new and exciting ways and to have that that diversity of of thought around me is such a blessing you know I, I usually say that like I I am the product of the excellence around me you know 
if I'm going to surround myself with excellent people, with hardworking people, I'm going to reflect those traits, those characteristics. I kind of, I pick that up from like music, I think. So like if I'm singing or if I'm like playing like trombone or whatever instrument next to somebody who's better than me, I just feel like I play better because I feel like it pushes me to the task. Even like with running too, you know, I used to run, I used to run the 800 back in high school, really a really intense race in my humble opinion, you know, but if I was, I always wanted to be around people that I knew were going to smoke me because they would just, they would drag me along, you know, and it'd be my best shot to hit a personal record, you know? So I see that same culture. I see that same culture in the green roof and, and other places at SIU as well to really push me to be more than what I thought or to get out of my comfort zone a little bit because taking that risk and taking on that stress nine times out of 10 is, is worthwhile and really gives you something to gain. Most definitely. Like you're, um, I heard a quote where you're most like the five closest people you're around and that's a similar like spot on. If you're around people who are better than you, you're going to grow even more. If you're in a room and you're the smartest person, there's a bit of an issue right there. Yeah, a yeah. Tough times you learn, and that's not a bad that's not a bad thing because it gives you an opportunity to teach other people. You know, because it's not all just about you. It's not all about personal growth. It's about um, serving other people as well. And I mean, teaching teaching is for sure something great that that the Green Roof team focuses on a lot. You know, it's like how can we teach our other members, and how can we apply this knowledge in in a new way, you know? So that's it, not a bad thing, but you always want to keep looking as well because if you're right all the time and if you're teaching somebody, once again, you're not, you're not gaining. You're not gaining. So with the Greener team, could you, could you elaborate a bit about the different projects you're on mm-hmm. and what you've been doing towards the greater goal? Yes. So, the main thing, the main project that I've been working with is the disaster resilient turbine, or as we affectionately call it, the trash turbine. Um, the idea there is that we are creating a turbine that can be made out of common household items that can be assembled quickly, ideally under 48 hours. Um, if we can meet those requirements, that would make it applicable to like post like disaster relief. So if there's been a natural disaster, the electrical grid has been taken out, you can assemble this and you can generate energy. You can harness energy from your surroundings, from what is around you so that you can charge small electrical devices like your phone, create useful work from that, you know? And that is something that definitely intrigues me and I think is just a mindset that should be applied more in our world. So, I mean, most recently with that, I've been um, designing the wind turbine blades, um, looking at the feasibility of different shapes, and um, Chris, one of the other guys on the team, him and I are going to be building those those blades very soon, get to testing, and we're very excited to see where that goes, because obviously this is um, a huge part of the project. If we can't harness power from the wind, we're kind of dead in the water or dead in the air or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's exciting to get tackling that issue. Um, besides that, I'm also working on 
the redesign of our current um, wind turbine that we have up on the green roof itself. We want to change up the blades on that from being a vertical axis to a horizontal axis wind turbine, what a, a more typical shape of what you might think. I'm looking into materials on that side, hopefully looking at how we can use um, carbon fiber laminate techniques, um, 3D print the mold, and then create um, carbon fiber blades from that and see the feasibility to see the cost of, the, of those things. So exciting stuff all the way around. So essentially one project is focused on a common everyday person manufacturing it while the other is a higher quality. Correct. So yes. what do you see as being the primary challenge between working on both the projects in comparison? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I, I do see a lot of like cross work and cross benefit in both of them because going into this, I didn't really know much of anything about wind generation. I I had interests in it, you know, like watching YouTube videos on different alternate energy production stuff, but I had never tried to apply it in a, in a meaningful way. So it's good to see some of those similarities then when you get into the details of it itself then you've got to you do have some fundamental differences so like with the with the trash turbine we've got we're using a vertical axis because you that way you don't need to create um you know the the yaw and you don't need like shouldn't need a gearbox you can keep everything it's simpler because simplicity is the name of the game with that with that project it's got to be as simple as possible so that you can create it in a variety of ways. You know, we can't, we can't specialize anything. The more broad we make it, the better. Meanwhile, with the, the turbine on the green roof, kind of the exact opposite, you know, we are making a one of a kind, um, system there, you know, we can still apply that to other things and we, we definitely will but we're making something specialized for that one scenario and we're, you know, creating those blades. Um, once again, then you also have the horizontal axis. So it does work a little differently. Um, so the priorities, the priorities and the constraints, especially if we're, if we're thinking in a design standpoint are different among the two. But then when you get down to the most fundamentals of it all, it's still the same. We're still trying to harness kinetic energy from the wind as efficiently as possible, just given different contexts. So with all of these projects and specifically the disaster turbine, the trash turbine, yes. could you uh, reiterate what the big why is? Like, why did you join this project yeah. and what do we see at the end of it all? I think, I think the why behind it is really giving people more ownership of their lives again um we are so reliant in this day and age on electricity electricity is this wonderful magical thing that nobody understands okay the electrical engineers they're lying to you all right you know they don't know how it works but it just works you know so there there's this stuff there's this stuff that requires these huge infrastructural systems that need all this cooperation to to keep running it's phenomenal and it, it really is 
like the U.S. electrical grid's been running for what, like a hundred years going on at this point, and it's still it's still kicking. There are some problems with it, but it's still going. But especially in other parts of the world, that reliability is not is not there. Especially like in the Caribbean, which is one of the areas that we're targeting with this. Um, and in many ways, the people who live there are at the whims of things out of their control. It now has such a huge impact um, on our lives. The internet requires electricity. All of this knowledge at our fingertips requires electricity. If you can transform the energy around you that's free into that stuff, that's, that's a game changer. Imagine how empowering that is to people when they have the ability to communicate with others, when they have the ability to you know, still get online, still find knowledge. How can we change the world by enabling other very gifted, talented, capable people with the same resources that that you and I have? I think that that is that that just is a game changer in so many ways. So that's I think a huge reason behind making turbine out of trash. You know, that gave me goosebumps right there. Yeah, got yeah. chills all over. There you go. Before, before we begin wrapping up for today, do you have any last thoughts or comments you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I, I would just say whether you're making a turbine out of trash or whether you want to see, you want to make a transformation in your community and bring people together, however you want to serve, be, be bold with it and don't be bashful. You might not know the way that that things are going, the way that they're going to turn out. And you can't control it all, but you can still put forth the effort. And you can still try. You don't have to be subject to the whims of other people. And subject to the whims of factors that are out of your control. You know, like if you don't have electricity, all right, well, let's generate some electricity. Okay, if you see this problem, this monumentous task, let's try and break it up. Let's see what we can do to identify these things. Because you are incredibly capable. You just might not realize that yet. So just take things one step at a time, and then before you know it, you have gone so incredibly far. And with that, we conclude our episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Green Roof Team. Special thanks to your sponsors, the SIU Research Park, Energy at SIU, SIU Sustainability Office's Green Fund Grant, the University Innovation Fellows, CH Electrical, Entertech, RAS Coatings, AES Solar, Sprague Supply Group, H&F Visions, Silvix Forestry and Nursery, Nether Chance Studios, Climate Economy Action Network, and many more. And please visit our website for more information and follow us on social media. Stay sustainable, folks.